I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You're listening to Confessions of a New Grad. This podcast is an ongoing story, so I'd recommend listening to the previous episodes before starting this one. Chapter 9. The Date. A while later, I was hopping off a wet street corner and onto the waiting bus that Lana was already on to Lions Bay. Brooklyn! Lana shrieked. She hurtled over and rugby tackled me with a hug, ignoring the unimpressed looks on both the bus drivers and other passengers' faces as she did so. How are you? Are you moving? What's going on? Gemma said that you might be going to Calgary or Thailand? Which is it? And also, can it be neither? You can't leave! Lana was slender and would have been considered tall if she didn't stand next to Gemma and myself all the time. She had bronze skin that stayed sun-kissed year-round. Her thick, voluminous hair was the color of gingerbread, and her eyes, which were framed by thick, flirty eyelashes, were a deep, dark brown. I gave her a tight hug before pulling her towards a seat in the back and filling her in on what was going on. Hey, I totally get the breakup thing, she said, after Gemma had picked us up from the bus stop and the three of us were walking through the woods by Gemma's house with Mr. Darcy. I've been having second thoughts about Chris lately too. Why? I asked. Chris was Lana's boyfriend. I don't know, she shrugged. Sometimes I just kind of hate him. So that can't be good. It can't, Gemma agreed. Her phone buzzed with a text that she quickly ignored, but not before I saw the name NEVER AGAIN in all caps flash across the screen. At three o'clock, After Gemma and Lana had left to go to work and study, I felt sleepy for the first time in a long while. Since I had two hours before Apollo was due to pick me up, I thought it couldn't hurt to rest my eyes for an hour or so before I had to get ready. This turned out to be a mistake because I fell into such a deep slumber that I didn't hear the alarm that was supposed to wake me up at 4 or 4.30. It wasn't until 4.45 that the snooze button finally did its job and jolted me back into consciousness. I leapt out of bed and rushed into the shower, hoping that Apollo would be late because if he was on time, I had less than 15 minutes to get ready to see him. Given that I wanted to look hot for our date, this was a catastrophe. I wrenched a comb through my knotted, wet hair, still trying to dry off from the shower. Then I remembered that I had nothing to wear. I sprinted next door into Gemma's room to find something. Gemma and I were 
almost the same size. But I realized as I tried to force my legs into a pair of her skinny jeans, she was thinner than me. I groaned, picked a dried piece of chocolate chip cookie off the pair of jeans I'd been wearing for three days now and began ruffling through her closet for a top. They were all super cute on Gemma, but as I impatiently tried them on one by one, I discovered that they were all hideous on me. My phone vibrated as I pulled off yet another of Gemma's blouses. I think I might be a few minutes late, said a text from Apollo. I got off at the wrong exit, but Siri has me back on track now. I didn't even bother replying. It was great that he was late, but 10 minutes? I needed an hour, but it was okay. I could do it, everything was fine. Or at least everything would have been fine if I hadn't misplaced my push-up bra in the process of throwing Gemma's clothes all over her room. Starting to panic, I yanked the brush through the last portion of my hair, ripping a few clumps out as I did so. Then I tripped over Gemma's bedside table. Ow, I moaned. I had stubbed my toe. Massaging it, I scanned the mass of clothes frantically for my bra. Why isn't it here? I muttered furiously. I just had it. Oh. It was lying neatly on her bed. Rolling my eyes, I threw on one of the few tops of Gemma's that I hadn't tried on yet and dashed back into the bathroom. I had anticipated having a ton of time to make myself look pretty, but now all that I could do was throw on a little concealer under my eyes, some blush to make myself look somewhat alive, and mascara. I had only just finished my last few eyelashes when Apollo texted me, saying that he was outside. I quickly brushed my teeth and then sprinted downstairs. I sent Gemma a hasty text as I put on my boots, apologizing for the state of her room and telling her that I would clean it up first thing tomorrow morning. No worries, she replied, anything for Apollo. Now go have fun, love. I love you, I typed, standing up and then toppling over. My shoes were on the wrong feet. Hey, Apollo smiled once I had finally put my shoes on the correct feet and rushed over to his car. Everything okay? Yeah, I panted. Why wouldn't it be? You just took a while, he teased, giving me a hug. I could tell he wasn't angry, more amused than anything. I couldn't find my bra and I put my shoes on the wrong feet, I said automatically. Why did I tell him that? I really needed to work on my honesty. He laughed. You're hilarious. How's your day been? I told him about it as we got into his car and began driving toward the city. It felt good to see him, but there was still a tentative sort of uncertainty between us. Do you want to grab a coffee in Gastown or something? He asked, and I agreed, relieved at having some kind of plan. After several unsuccessful attempts to find parking, we ended up having to drive to his apartment and leave the car there. Since he lived in Gastown, this wasn't too large of a detour, and we soon ended up inside a little hipster cafe with exposed brick walls. 
Surprisingly, it wasn't that busy and we managed to snag a table by a window with a picturesque view of the lamppost adorned clay colored streets outside. What are you thinking of getting? He asked. I squinted at the faraway menu, which was handwritten in chalk behind the counter, inwardly cursing myself for forgetting my glasses. Do you want me to read it to you? He offered. Yes, please, I'm so blind, I admitted. Why don't you wear glasses? He asked. I shrugged. I don't like how heavy they feel on my nose. Why not get contacts then? Ugh, I convulsed. I could never put those things in my eyes. Besides, my eyes aren't that bad. I just can't see. I stuck my tongue out at him. He laughed. Okay, well, do you want something hot or cold? Hot, please, I shivered. It's October. He smiled and read the menu off to me. I think I'll just do a latte, I said at last. After all that, you want a latte? I put in so much effort. I grinned and walked up to the counter to place my order. He placed his right after mine and took out his credit card. Oh no, I said quickly. I got it, he said, giving his card to the barista. I had historically felt a little uncomfortable when a guy tried to pay for me. Tyler and I had always split everything, even on our first date. But, I thought, Tyler had also turned out to be a bit of a dud, so maybe there was something to be said for doing things the old-fashioned way. We grabbed our coffees and sat down across from each other at our table. Did you cut your hair? Apollo asked. No, it just fell off, I said sarcastically. I realized mid-sentence that this was kind of a rude answer. Thankfully, Apollo seemed to find it funny. It looks good, I mean, he added hastily. It looked good before, too. Thanks. So, what's going on with you? He asked. I could tell he had been wanting to ask that for a while. I have no idea, I said, unhelpfully. I thought you were working on a book. I laughed. Haven't made much progress on that. Why not? I kind of got distracted by fucking my life up instead. He grinned. Don't worry. I think everyone feels like their life is a little fucked up right now. Do you? Of course. I gave him a disbelieving look. Sure. Wait, do you think that I have my shit together? Yeah, I said. You got a degree in something that you actually enjoy and landed a great job right out of school. You live on your own in downtown Vancouver. You have a car. I don't live alone, he interjected. Cody and I are still roommates. Oh, right, I remembered. Well, you don't live with your parents like pretty much everyone else I know. Yeah, I guess that's true, but I do have quite a bit of debt to pay off. Oh, I said, surprised. Yeah, Apollo continued. I don't know if I ever told you this, but I grew up pretty poor Eventually, my parents saved up, and they're fine financially now, but 
they weren't able to pay for me to go to school. Was it stressful to graduate then, knowing you had to start paying off loans right away? Well, luckily, I got offered my job during a co-op semester while I was still in school. Of course you did. I smiled. Do you like it? It was pretty intense at first, he admitted, and I'm still kind of in the learning phase a year in, but yeah, I enjoy it. But enough about me. How did you fuck up your life? I took a sip of my latte. I just don't know what I'm doing. I got my teaching degree because I didn't think I'd be able to get anything decent with an English lit degree, but halfway through the program, I realized that it wasn't exactly what I wanted to be doing. My parents advised me to stick it out, though, and I'm glad I did, but... You want to be a writer. He finished my thought for me. Yeah. Why did you get your teaching degree then? You've always wanted to be a writer. I remember when we lived together for like three days, when you were taking over my apartment and you were interning at that publishing company. You were so passionate about it. I looked up at him, a little surprised that he remembered all of that. Yeah, I was, I said, but I also realized that summer that I didn't want to work in publishing. I wanted to write stories. So why didn't you just do that with your English Lit degree? Because I also didn't want to starve, I said, slowly shredding my napkin. I thought having a teaching degree would set me up better for reality, but I didn't realize just how much time would be required to do that. I thought I would be able to teach during the day and then come home and write, but teaching, especially for the first few years, is full on. So now I'm 22 and realizing that I put all my effort into plan B before giving plan A a real shot. Don't be so hard on yourself. Like you said, you're 22. It's not like you're too old to give plan A a shot. I pouted at him. I feel old. Try being 25, he said. That's old. Oh man, yeah, I forgot how ancient you are. Hey, he laughed, throwing his napkin at me. So, what's this book that you're writing about? I took another long sip of my coffee. I don't tell people about my writing. Still don't, hey? Why not? I'm shy, I guess. Well, I know nothing about writing, so whatever it is, I'll be impressed. I frowned at him. Not sure why I almost felt like telling him something. Oh, come on. Just tell me what genre it is. Is it fantasy or contemporary or... I crumpled the shreds of napkin that I had in my hand into a ball. Fantasy. That's so cool. I love fantasy. What kinds of creatures are in it? That I won't tell you. Oh, come on, just one. I shook my head. Fine, I'll guess. Wizards? Witches? Vampires? Fairies? It's fairies, isn't it? He said excitedly. I didn't say that. No, but your face lit up when I said it. What else? Elves? Werewolves? 
Mermaids? Yes, mermaids would make sense since you love swimming. They're not typical mermaids, I said before I could stop myself. Oh, what's different about them? I'm not telling you. That's fine. I'll just read all about them when you publish the book. It's not going to get published. How do you know? You haven't even written it yet. I'm loving your optimism, but it's not easy to sell a book. Most authors' first books are never published. Most, not all, he corrected me. I bit my lip and took another sip of coffee. Do you want to walk around for a little bit? He asked. I agreed, and we meandered through the sparkling streets. I refused to answer any more questions about my book, and he eventually dropped it, and we moved on to discussing other things. But I couldn't help but feel a little touched by his interest, until the cynical part of me, which never shuts up, pointed out that he was probably only pretending to care about my book in order to hook up with me. Oh, hey, I asked, remembering something. What was the strange thing that happened to you the other weekend? Strange thing? He asked, blankly. You said something strange happened to you, but you'd have to tell me about it in person? Oh, right. He looked uncomfortable. It was nothing. Why'd you call me then? I just wanted to see you. I frowned. Are you hungry? He asked, in an almost comical attempt to change the subject. I considered pressing the issue, but judging from how flushed his cheeks were, I was starting to get the impression that he'd made the whole strange night thing up because he'd wanted an excuse to meet me in person, so I dropped it. Yeah, I could eat, I said, realizing that I had somehow skipped lunch today. What are you in the mood for? He asked. Uh, I didn't know how to answer that question. My meals had revolved around Tyler's dietary restrictions for so long that it felt odd being asked what I wanted. I'm easy. Apollo frowned thoughtfully. There's a good sushi place on the waterfront up by my apartment. Sounds good to me, I said, and we headed east. We hadn't been walking for very long when Apollo stopped in front of a huge triangular glass building that overlooked the harbor. What's this? I asked. This is the place I was thinking of, he said. I had been expecting one of Vancouver's many hole-in-the-wall sushi restaurants, not this. My surprise must have shown on my face because Apollo suddenly looked uncertain. He peered inside at the exposed, flaming kitchen and smartly dressed business people. I wondered if he was regretting suggesting such a fancy place, but then I realized that he was actually scouring the menu, which was posted behind the hostess stand. I'm not sure if this will work, he said. Oh, okay, we can go somewhere else if you want, I said a little confused. 
Oh, no, I'm good here, he explained. I'm just not sure there will be enough of a selection on the menu for you. You're vegetarian, right? It felt so bizarre to have someone worrying about what I needed. I'm pescatarian, I said, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Okay, well, just read through the menu first. I don't want you to not have enough options, he said. I could barely focus on the menu. I was overcome with a mixture of happiness at feeling so pampered and well cared for, and incredulity that this relatively small gesture of consideration had such a strong effect on me. I thought that I had always been a confident, assertive person. I thought that I knew how to advocate for myself and what I wanted, but as I stood there reading the menu, I realized that I had, at some point in the last two years, forgotten about all of that. What do you think? Apollo asked. It looks great, I said, and we made our way into the airy blue restaurant. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. A high-heeled hostess greeted us and led the way past an open kitchen with chefs in white hats and searing fish to a table right next to one of the floor-to-ceiling glass windows that overlooked Coal Harbor. Do you want to share a few things? Apollo asked. I nodded, and we began poring over the menu for ideas. How about teriyaki shrimp? He asked. Oh, you go ahead. I can't have shrimp. Why not? They're from the sea. Yeah, and I love them, but I randomly became allergic to shrimp a few years ago. How does that happen? He asked. No idea. One day, Gemma and I went out for sushi and my throat swelled up and I broke out in hives. I didn't want to believe I was allergic to shrimp, though, so I tried them again a little while later and... That time, my throat swelled up very badly. It was a little scary, so now I just stay away from them. And you never had a problem with them before? Nope. We ate them all the time when I lived in Singapore. It's sad because I love shrimp, but hopefully one day I'll be able to eat them again. My mom apparently also became allergic to them in her 20s and then miraculously was able to eat them again in her 30s. That's really weird, Apollo said. 
Okay, no shrimp. No, no, you have shrimp, I insisted. The last thing I wanted to do was become the new Tyler and restrict everyone else's eating habits. And I do not care if you eat meat in front of me, by the way. I'm not one of those people. He grinned. That's good news because, being from Alberta, I don't plan on giving up beef anytime soon. Totally fair, I said. I won't cook it for you, but I don't care if you eat it. Seems reasonable, he smiled. How long have you been a vegetarian, by the way? You definitely ate meat when we were... He broke off, awkwardly. I mean, when we hung out before. Yeah, luckily I ate meat then. Remember when you accidentally gave me deer sausages? He choked on his water. I forgot about that. It's all good. They were actually delicious. So, why'd you stop eating meat then? I just don't feel good when I eat it, and... I watched that documentary, Forks Over Knives. Ah, I see. Do you feel like you get enough protein, though? Probably not, I admitted. I'm not very good at being vegetarian. I mainly just eat avocado toast. Nutritious and cost-effective, he grinned. After dinner, we were wandering back down the streets, somewhat aimlessly, when he asked what I wanted to do next. I said I wasn't sure, but that I should probably be heading back to Gemma's soon. I can give you a ride home, he offered, but we'd have to go back to my place first so I can get my car. Sure, I agreed. You can give me a tour of your apartment. It's nothing special, he said, although there is one rather odd feature that I'm sure you'll appreciate. Oh, I'm intrigued, I said, and we made our way to his apartment. It wasn't far from where we were, and as we turned off the cobblestone street and entered his swanky lobby, I was impressed, and also kind of envious. He lived high up in a very new, bright building that was mere steps away from the excitement of Gastown and perhaps a block or two off the waterfront. The rent here had to be ridiculous, and whatever he said about his student loans, if he could afford this and a car, his job had to be paying him pretty well. We stepped off the elevator on some level in the mid-twenties, and he led the way down the hall to his door. He opened it, and I was greeted with a high-ceilinged, open-concept kitchen and living room that looked out over the streets of downtown Vancouver. That's Cody's room, he said, gesturing vaguely off to the right and leading me through to the living room. I looked out his floor-to-ceiling windows for a little bit, enjoying the beauty of being above ground rather than below it, as I had been for the past few weeks. This place is awesome, I said. Thanks, he said, putting his arm around my waist and looking out over the city with me. Do you still swim? Yeah, I said. Why? I've actually started swimming because we have a pool here. You have a pool? 
I asked, jealously. You're welcome to come use it, he said, in exchange for a free swimming lesson, of course. I need help. I'm very bad at swimming. I mostly just go so that I can hop in the hot tub after. A hot tub would be amazing after all this rain we've been having. Well, next time you come over, bring a swimsuit. He smiled at me, his golden eyes swirling, his face inches from mine. I wondered if he wanted to kiss me as bad as I wanted him to, but he didn't do it. So where is this odd feature of the house you were telling me about? I asked at last. Oh, he laughed. Let me show you. He took my hand and led me across the room. So here's the bathroom, he said. Okay, I said. I don't see anything odd about it. Just wait, he promised, pulling me gently around the corner and into a large, bright room with a neatly made king-sized bed and down comforter. And this is my room, he said. He gazed intensely down at me again. I was starting to suspect that maybe his story about an odd feature was really just a ploy to get me into his bedroom and had decided that if that was the case, I was perfectly fine with it. But then he pulled me into his bathroom instead. This is my bathroom, he continued. It was newly renovated with a large soaker tub and shower. This is great, I said, but where's the odd feature? Does my bathroom look familiar to you at all? I frowned. Um, no, should it? He grinned and opened up the shower stall, which was one of those square standing ones. How about now? Um, I muttered, not sure what I was supposed to be seeing. He put his hand on the opposite wall of the shower and pushed. To my surprise, the side of the shower, which I had thought was solid wall, opened, revealing the first bathroom he had shown me on the other side. Wait, what's going on? I asked. These two bathrooms are connected by this shower. What? I laughed. Why? I have no idea. I have absolutely no idea why anyone would want this, but it's what we have. The landlord tried to sell it to us like it was a two-bathroom, and it wasn't until we looked closely that we realized that wasn't exactly the case. But, you know, the rental market in Van is so crazy, and this place was actually somewhat affordable, so we figured we could live with it for now. What do you guys do if you need to take a shower, though? Do you ever bump into each other? Thankfully, it hasn't happened yet, but yeah, it's a fear. I giggled. That's hilarious. Yeah. Apollo's hand was on the paneling of the doorway above me, and our laughter ebbed away as we both realized how close we were to each other. I wanted him to lean down and kiss me so badly, but he just stared down at me, looking like he desperately wanted to. I wondered if I should just do it, but couldn't work up the courage. 
A clatter made us both jump. Apollo? A voice called. It was Cody, Apollo's roommate, coming back home. Hey, man, Apollo called as we stepped back through his room and into the living room to say hello. Hey, Brooklyn, Cody smiled, not looking at all surprised to see me. Hey, how's it going? I asked. Pretty good, pretty good, he said. Just got back from a date. Gonna hop in the shower and then watch the game. Are you staying for a bit? Um, Apollo and I looked at each other. I should probably get home, I said. Oh, okay, Cody said, sounding a little surprised as he made his way to his bedroom. Hopefully I'll see you again soon. Yeah, hopefully, I said. Cody waved and shut his door. Well, I said to Apollo. Yeah, he said. I can take the bus, I offered. Lions Bay is kind of a drive and you already picked me up. Oh, no, it's not a problem to drive you, he said. Anyway, it's late and some of the areas around here can be a little sketchy at night. Okay, thanks, I said, and we put on our boots and coats and made our way to the car park. I wondered if I was the only one feeling a sense of anti-climax as we made our way downstairs. Don't get me wrong, it had been good to see Apollo, and I'd had a nice time, but were we just friends? It didn't feel like we were, not with the way we'd been flirting and looking at each other all day, or texting over the past few months, but why hadn't he done anything more than hold my hand? We resumed comfortable chatter as we drove through downtown. It was raining softly when we pulled up to Gemma's house. He stopped the car and we looked at each other for yet another long moment. Thanks for driving me, I said. No problem. It was really good to see you, he said. You too, I smiled. It didn't seem like he wanted me to leave, but what were we going to do? Sit here and stare at each other in his car all night? Maybe he really did just want to be my friend. And maybe that was okay. Maybe it was too soon for me to be kissing anyone right now. Maybe it was better this way, considering I was probably moving anyway. Well, bye, I said, leaning in to give him a hug. We hugged and then I made to pull away, but he didn't let go. His hold on me tightened and then he finally pulled me into him and kissed me. These are questions I'm asking you Cause I don't know you half as well as I think I do Time runs over, life's begun you return to who you were when you were young Thanks for listening to Confessions of a New Grad If you want to find out what happens next new episodes will be published every Saturday until the end of the season I'm so happy to be able to provide this podcast to you for free during this difficult time if you're enjoying the show, please tell your friends, give us five stars, and write a review on Apple Podcasts, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To everyone who's already done that, 
Thank you so much. It helps a lot. Confessions of a New Grad is written, narrated, and produced by me, Greta Craig. Our story editor is Rebecca Montgomery, and she created all of the amazing artwork for the project as well. You can follow the show on Instagram at newgradpodcast. Special thanks to all the amazing musicians who allowed us to use their songs in this production. You can find the soundtrack in our show notes. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.